Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. And Carissa. Hello. Christina has fallen victim to the Black Death. Together, we take on the week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics, gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, then come back. You done yet? Okay, good. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to Old Man Logan, number one. This is by Marvel Comics, written by Jeff Lemire. Art, Lemire. Lemire, whatever. And art by Andrea Sorrentino. I am not known for getting these people's names. Me, me either. I think that's kind of like what we're known for now. We will butcher your names. I just want to have a button say, I am that nerd. I will butcher your name. But I love you anyways. I love your art, but fuck your name. Yeah. Sorry, boob. I mean Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Bond villain. It was Bond villain. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Old Man Logan number one. Uh, this is the start of the post Secret Wars Old Man Logan. Uh, there was an Old Man Logan number one during Secret Wars. Is one of the little kind of mini series that they had in there. This is the Old Man Logan from the Doom rebooted. Old Man Logan storyline where he accidentally got literally physically kicked out of his little segment of reality and he kind of went running around the other universes or well they're not really universes the other timelines during Secret Wars unfortunately I didn't finish the miniseries because Secret Wars but apparently he survived and became a Terminator I'm guessing because he <laughs> he opens up this book kind of naked in the middle of New York City. And he's... So he wanders out and to traffic. And everybody's like, what the hell's going on? With his naked self. And he's basically kind of dis, disoriented. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's just kind of lost and angry. He's with it enough to be able to figure out he's traveled back in time somehow. Though it doesn't seem like he remembers any of the, the Doom timeline. I can't remember – Ryan, did you read through the Old Man Logan kind of yes. side story from the – not the Secret Wars one, but the actual Old Man Logan books? You're talking the ones from – like The ones that happened in the Wolverine comic like three or four years ago. Mm, no, I, I read the – how it ended. I read the Secret Wars one, but I don't think I read that one. So I'm trying to – because it seems like this is the Secret Wars Old Man Logan and not the actual Old Man Logan. I think so because you have the gangs that are dressed up like the superheroes. Like when he sees like the partier in like Times Square in the Spider-Man outfit, mm-hmm. he thinks it's one of like the gang members, you know. Oh, that's true. And the art is pretty reminiscent of the well, and I think they might have gotten the same artist between the original Old Man Logan storyline and the uh, Secret Wars one. So, anyways, he basically decides that he's going to kind of go and get revenge. Uh, it's heavy on the flashbacks. Uh, it gives you a little bit more of that Old Man Logan universe where it's posts a supervillain-inspired Armageddon 
not really an Armageddon so much as it is a the supervillains one. Uh, in the original Old Man Logan book, you find that the villains basically brainwashed Logan into thinking that uh, kind of uh, what is that DC book or game the basically Mortal Kombat DC? Is this... Are you talking about the Injustice? Yeah, Gods Among Us. Yeah, the Injustice yeah. Gods Among Us, which is basically, hey Superman. I messed with your head and made you think that somebody you care about is actually a villain, and you're going to end up killing him. Well, they, they basically did the same thing to Wolverine. Oh, spoiler! And he caused him to go through and just kind of butcher all of the X-Men to kind of get them out of the way, which they didn't really need to do. All they needed to do was let Fox keep owning the license. <laughs> That'll get him right out of the Marvel Universe. Keep him right out of the Marvel Universe. So the supervillains are silly there, but they uh, basically broke... Logan and it made him not want to be Wolverine or want to be a superhero or anything else. He wanders for some stupid reason into the American Southwest where he falls prey into. So America's basically taken over by different supervillains. So they've each got their different districts. And he lives in the Hulk one, which is a little bit of poetic justice considering the history that the, uh, the Hulk and yeah. Logan have. That it's his first and last appearance in the Marvel. Well, well, okay. Well, if you consider Old Man Logan to be the canon for the end of the Marvel Universe, part of Secret Wars, you know, okay. that's where he ends up, back with Hulk. Uh, at the end of the Old Man Logan miniseries? The Secret Wars series. The Secret Wars Old Man Logan? Yes. Okay. See, I remind you, I didn't want to read that. It gets very confusing when you talk about Secret Wars because they take the titles of old, like, classic storylines and make them into new books. So it gets kind of confusing as to which one you're talking about. Okay. Anyways, so basically he has flashbacks of when he was still with his family. The Old Man Logan's kind of inserted series or inset series that they had in the actual Wolverine comics was basically he was being – blackmail is not exactly the right word. He had to pay uh, protection money to the Hulks uh, or they were going to come and kind of massacre his family. So he goes on a, a – buddy road trip with a and i'm just gonna go out on a limb and i'm gonna say it that this is a dark knight returns green arrow inspired hawkeye there is a scene in this book that is a direct take from dark knight returns oh i love that scene <laughs> oh yeah that was so cool <sighs> yeah my notes have big letters written dark knight returns <laughs> yeah i saw that I'm like oh i know what they're doing but, I mean, that's kind of what Old Man Logan is. It's the Dark Knight Returns version of Wolverine. Uh, probably because everybody's just kind of tired of, I don't want to say young Wolverine, because he's, you know, 150 years old. But everybody kind of got tired of young-looking Wolverine. So they went and made the Old Man Logan story, and then they've got, oh, what is her name, Laura, X-23. Oh, I hate that, yeah. Being the, the actual Wolverine. But you hate X-23, or... I just hate the whole clone daughter bullshit. Yeah, I don't like when they, no. they try to. It's like riding the coattails of a really famous character. It's like yeah. have her be her own, have her own name and be like her own thing. I, I just don't like when they ride the coattails of other, you know, characters that are so established. Agreed. She's still better but, than Dakin. But I still think. Uh, Not saying much. I no, think it's... he just aged to match his bitterness. So. Yeah, he's kind of aged to match his bitterness. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. he looks like. The Dark Knight Returns Batman. He's got the short gray hair, angry all the time, and he just kind of wants revenge on things. And in this particular storyline, 
he wants revenge on the people who made his well killed his family uh, and made his life a living hell so he's got a basically sneaks into somebody's house and steals some clothes which ironically look exactly like wolverine's normal clothes uh and he grabs a permanent marker and he writes a list of people on his arm that he's basically going to track down one of which is the i don't want to call him the main bad guy because he's kind of really lame uh and i can't even remember the dude's name did you take a note ryan it's black no mysterio is one of that's the one who made him uh see all the like illusions of what was happening to him it's black something black butcher the black Black butcher Butcher, yes so it's butcher uh, was it banner or hulk banner yeah it's Butcher, Banner, Mysterio, and Red Skull on his arm. And he basically goes after Butcher and butchers him. And then supposedly Hulk's next issue, but he is, considering he's from a different timeline, he's not going to notice because the picture that they have at the end of the Old Man Logan book is the awesome Hulk. Totally awesome Cho. Yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. awesome Cho Hulk. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Banner. He goes after intelligent Hulk. I don't know if that'll help Cho. Because, I mean, he's not going to have the ferocity that, that Banner is going to have. I miss Banner well, so much. in Totally Awesome Hulk, Bruce Banner still exists, you know. So, yeah, we'll see, you know. Maybe he goes after Cho because that's the more public one then realizes it's not him. I mean, I guess we'll see in Old Man Logan 2, 3, 4, 5, however long it takes, you know. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's obviously not going to kill Cho. Uh, and he's not as strong or resilient or healy uh, as the wolverine have everybody grew used to but he's still kind of a cool clean eastwood kind of character but he, he basically goes he butchers the butcher and writes his name off on the list and it's uh, kind of where the book ends the reason i picked old man logan is because between old man logan number one and superman number 48 i felt it was the stronger of the two books i didn't want to steal somebody else's which one would have if you were going to steal what were you going to steal actually aiming at one of Christina's books. Nice. <laughs> I, I really liked Monstrous, well, and I, I really liked East of West. Yeah, they were good. Faith was pretty good, too, but those two were really good. Yeah. And the other ones, they were all... We'll, we'll get to Southern Bastards. But the rest <laughs> of them were really good. Cry Havoc didn't stand out as much as I wanted it to, and I'm getting ahead of myself. But <laughs> yep. I, I, I picked Old Man Logan because it was the stronger of my two books. And, and I didn't want to step on other people's toes because I know some people get annoyed by that. Speaking of people getting annoyed by that, uh, Carissa, did you have any thoughts on Old Man Logan? Hey, <laughs> I only just when I have to pick, read another book or talk about another book that I don't know anything about, and I don't want to do that. Um, no, I really liked Old Man. Like, I mean, I feel like it had like the, like the shink and stuff like that in it. Um, the flashbacks were interesting. I'm trying to remember. There was something about one of the flashbacks that I was like, oh, oh. So in one of them, when they're showing his family killed. So I didn't read those ones before, so but it looked like Gene. Like, it looked like the actor later in the Fox movies. And then if they named their kid Scott, then it would make sense, that, you know, based off it of that idea. It wasn't Gene. He literally found a woman who looked like Gene. Okay, and then named him a little kid up. Scott, which is very strange. Yes. But no, I, I liked it. I, I like him when he's being his grumpy old man self. It I think it... It just that's I kind of like that character. He's kind of a curmudgeon. Excited to see what he does. I thought some parts were a little cliche, like I don't even know you, man. Why are you coming after me? That kind of stuff. You know, at the end. Yeah, but oh, yeah. it was the perfect 
line for that sort of thing, though. Yeah, it is. But I was like, but I knew that was going to be the line before we even got there. I think yeah. it's more what it is. There were there were some things like uh, the art on this is kind of rough, and it's not my style. But it is the art for this story. Like it's a perfect yeah, fit. It's perfect. For it. It perfect feel, art for the story. It feel it feels right for this story. Um, I really like you commented on like the like schnick and like other things. This book does sound effects really well. Like the way it integrates them into the panels is just is really awesome. Like the first time you get that uh, that like snicked noise and he's got uh, they have that like panel where he's kind of like standing up. It reminds me there's a a scene in a not very good Wolverine movie where he comes out of like the tank and is like flipping out. Yeah. That's basically that panel. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it was the basically the ching, you know, and then you know, had all the chaos and the splatter behind it. I was just like, oh, yeah. I like that panel. <laughs> there's also there's a panel where you're in like the like wastelands with him and you see the crashed like shield uh, helicarrier. I really like. Oh, that. I love it that also scene. Really, there were there yeah, were two so parts badass. of that whole thing that reminded me of Force Awakens. That reminded me so much of like the downed like uh-huh. uh, Star Destroyer. Yep. And they have where he goes into the town with, like, the scraps to, like, trade for it. Yeah. Um, like, even yeah. the way they have it, like, framed inside the, the booth that that lady is sitting in reminds me of that scene in Force Awakens with, with Ray. So I think they were – I don't know if they're just working off the same universal beat or really liked it and wanted to use it. I don't know. But those seemed very strong, um, like, homages to that. Yeah. And then you had that, that Dark Knight panel that we had talked about um, where you've got, like, the you know the dark silhouette with him, you know, leaping across the sky, again, in, like, a silhouette with, like, a flash of, like, lightning behind it. Like, you could put those two images, like, over each other, and I'm sure they would line up so, so well. It's it's a direct, direct uh, Dark Knight Returns image, yeah. which I, I'm all for. I mean, I, I think it fits in the story, sets the right tone for it. It's pretty cool. I liked it. So uh, uh, what's everybody's ranking? I give it three and a half New York City uh, hats. Sorry, I give it three and a half sneaks. That's what I was going to say. I know, that's why I try to cut <laughs> you off. I give it three and a half uh, best at what I do. All right. Speaking of stuff that's uh, some of the best, Ryan, you had a book? Well, actually, this is Christina's book, East of oh, West. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Christina had a book that you're talking about. Yes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that banner forward for her. So, East of West number 24. Um, if you've been reading East of West, you know how how good it is. This one is basically we learn more about the message. I mean, you've learned more about the message in previous issues, but this one brings that back to center stage. Like the last time we talked about East of West, they had talked about it a little bit, and I think this does a pretty good job of showing the message and the type of people who hear it and what their profits are like. So it kind of opens with this scene with someone writing. And at first I was actually really impressed with the way that it looked like the pen was like dragging through the, the paper. Like I thought it was like a really like big close up on the paper. And I thought that was an interesting thing. And then it kind of zooms out. And I realized that that's not a pen. That's like a scalpel tattoo gun kind of thing. And it's actually someone's back that he's carving his message into. So the person is like pleading for their life and uh, – He's telling them that, you know, they've spent their, that they're very, you know, they've been chosen and they're lucky. They spent their whole life preparing for this and they should consider themselves blessed. So after he carves the message on his back, he basically skins the back of his back and you get this really actually kind of interesting shot of like his back where you can see like the muscle underneath it. Um, And that seems anatomically correct to me. It's brutal. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then that scene. Oh, Oh, I know. I was just like, oh, it's made me cringe so then he sicks his uh his monster on the person to eat them and put them out of their misery 
so you find out that each of these messages that he's sending out um, are personalized to each person who's heard the message. So he's done this to many people throughout this. So you get throughout the story, you see each person who's heard the message getting their their little scroll of like of flesh sent to, sent to them with by these little dragon things. And you get a good like sense of the characters and the way that each of them reacts to the message receiving it. And the little dragon so, like, things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, some of them like reward them. Some of them kill them. So you get a lot of character information with very little words. I'm a big, big fan of showing rather than telling. And this does a really good job of showing you. And it's there's a part that I'm, I'm a little confused about where they have all these uh, – where basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse – have like this this cauldron of like these dead bodies that they've been gathering up to make this like meat stew yeah. to put themselves into like a, a flesh cocoon that they're gonna I guess emerge out of for you know they're insensitizing yeah it's it's gross they don't have <laughs> it's, physical it's... bodies right so they're basically making this stew to be able to create like matter on Earth. I'm not sure. I mean, they they say that they're going to need to regrow something. So I don't know if they're getting ready for, like, the war, you know, like becoming more powerful or what it is they're doing. But it's pretty pretty gross, but pretty cool. You also get my favorite part of the book, besides the beginning where you write have the, the message being written on the person's back, is when you get to, like, the Native American uh, people who are receiving the message. You have this really cool image of uh, – I wish I could remember her name – uh, the lady who turns into like the ravens or is made up of all the ravens, kind of ripping the dragon apart as it's coming in to give them the message mm-hmm. um, and then forming into her her human body, which is really cool. And then you have Wolf, who is then transforming into his wolf form from human to wolf. So each panel kind of shows you like his, his change into that. I thought it was really very cool. Um, I know it's not exactly a werewolf or the as snouty as you like for the you know human wolf uh, hybrid, but I thought it was pretty cool. That snouty. She she likes Carissa likes a snout on her werewolves, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh yeah, I completely uh, agree and get that. Yeah, I like that scene where she had the wolf is jumping off and she's riding on the back. Um, it was like one of probably my favorite scene because it wasn't as glorified <laughs> and made me yeah. cringe. It was actually quite pretty. And then you have the head of what basically for lack of a better term, used to be like the Confederacy, who's now kind of like wanting to hunt down and, and kill the, the prophet. So they're warning him that it's, you know, a trap. Yes. And he knows it's a trap, but it's like it's too good to pass up. The opportunity. I, I love that. Yeah, I love that line. No. It was really, thought this issue was really cool. I think there are probably aspects of it that I am missing because I'm not a complete East of West um, uh, expert like Christina. So I feel kind of... I miss her being here because she could have explained a lot of the things to us. But even having, you know, like passing knowledge of East of West, this issue is really, it does a lot of showing. It has good characters. It's got some gruesome scenes in it. And you feel like, I feel like the plot is like setting up for the next big thing to happen. So I think. Oh, yeah, I definitely think the story is like chugging along now. Like, like you're really starting to get the fleshy bits and not even just like because there was lots of flesh flying around this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, um, yeah. Speaking of fleshy so, crow. Oh. Okay. oh, we have to read it. Yeah, go ahead. Her name is Crow. So I, crow. I'm going to give it uh, three uh, messages, but I'm going to give it an extra star for Christina because I know that's what she would have done. So I'm going to give it four messages. Considering what the messages are. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'll rate it. I'll give it three and three quarters. Cute little wolf riders. I'll give it four horsemen of the apocalypse. Nice. nice. Yeah. So crow and wolf are accomplices of death. Death is the white man. Mm-hmm. He quit yeah. the horsemen of the apocalypse. That's why there's <laughs> there's there's three, and then there's that one kind of stupid. Uh, yeah, the big dude guy. guy who doesn't actually go through the meat stew transformation cocoon. Yeah, because he's not actually one of the horsemen. You just have war, famine, and conquest, which isn't the four horsemen, but okay. Conquest, conquest is like the fifth, isn't it? No, it's, no there's only four. It's war, famine, pestilence. pestilence, and death. So, I had another comic from Image Comics. Speaking of wolves. Speaking of wolves, yes. Cry Havoc, number one. Written by Simon Spurrier, Spur something, (laughs) and art by Ryan Kelly. Okay, I picked this because it was a werewolf book. Plain and simple. Just what it was. So it starts off, it's very interesting to me how they laid it out. It says, it says the end, and it shows, you know, what you assume is the main protagonist in like some sort of cage and she's being questioned and she's beat up and they're basically asking her are you inside the cage or outside of the cage and then you turn the panel and it goes to before and it shows them like at a zoo and it's like two girls and they're talking and they're like, it looks like they're a couple and they're looking at a, a hyena which um, I learned something new about hyenas from this book so if anything you didn't know that? I did not know that huh. so that I knew that from a Sandra Bullock movie Oh, I'm sorry, say, Ryan. M- Murder by Numbers? Oh. Hey, that's actually a pretty decent movie. <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so, yeah, and so and then it goes to, like, having the, the blue-haired girl, if I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um, basically, she plays on the street, like, as, like, a street performer to get money out by the Old Bailey. And some jerko lawyer, instead of dropping money in her hat, kind of flings it at her. So she goes chasing after it. So I guess she really is... Like desperate, and while she's like in an alleyway, gets mugged by a werewolf. Apparently, he's gnawing on her and chewing her, or she maybe. And she wakes up and comes to some little old lady going, "Hey, someone took your money!" But she's like all healed and no rips, no blood. You know, typical. I got turned into a werewolf and now I can super heal kind of thing. And then it goes to like the middle section, and the middle section completely threw me. It's like it went from okay story to like. All of a sudden, we're military on on some like mission, and I'm like, this is not where I thought this was gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? What's going on? And so and then, basically, you gotta get the feeling that they're all supernatural of some sort there, and they all know more what's going on, but her. And then you start to get the sensation that she's not there with them as part of them. No. And then you find, yeah, you find that she's there to try to get like a cure, basically. And so. And then they get, you know, they get to their location and they're trying to figure out. And I guess the mission is there was someone who went rogue at like some sort of torture thing, and turned on everyone and slaughtered like a squad. And then she gets like a picture of a helmet cam, and I love that picture. I'm sorry, massive werewolf, like huge froey fur, like takes up like the whole shot pretty much of hair, just slaughtering people like in mass in this picture. You know, they were raging, and I was like, okay. And so they make her do, like, this weird scent thing, and they say, oh, it wasn't a werewolf, it was, and they cut whoever that guy is off. 
I think it's, was it the German? I think it was a German one. They cut them off. So, so apparently there's a name for whatever it is they are, and it's probably and they're saying it's not saying it's werewolf, but that's what they look like. So because it snouts and everything, I was pleased. Yep. They passed my test. I haven't seen the legs yet, though, really. So we'll see. Or the tail. Or the so tail. That's but so, only but that one must have been a, a winner because it only took one of your three to to win you over. The drawings so far have been good. I like the drawings of the werewolf so far and um then it cuts back so it cuts back and forth a lot and so then it cuts back to the beginning and for some reason it's just basically she's talking about how it feels to become a, a werewolf or supernatural how it's like it overtakes oh. you like you want to be a, basically it makes you like an attention whore like you want to show how special and unique special snowflake you are i found a picture mm-hmm. um of the werewolf and where you can see everything mm-hmm. it has all three of your things Fuck yeah. If you look at the picture where she's getting mugged and you kind of, if you sort of like rotate the picture a little bit, oh, yeah. you can tell legs bend back like you like mm-hmm. and they got a tail. Yeah. Well, so, I saw that. Because... Three out of three werewolf Woo-hoo. check marks. Well, that one was kind of like weird, inky, like almost like a somber wolf looking thing that attacked her, at least the way it was drawn in that one. Seems more like a spirit to me. Yeah. So, but, but in other ones, it looks more like furry, not as, you know, weird, inky, like... But yeah, so it makes you an attention whore. So she starts, I guess, like stage crashing and not playing the song she's supposed to play. So she gets fired and all this stuff. And it's basically building up and like her and her girlfriend are going to her girlfriend saying, look, my money doesn't you know, cut it. We got to do something about it. And then she goes to the bathroom and the last panel, you know, her looking in the mirror. And basically she's talking about, you know, lessons you learn. The first lesson you learn from your mother is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's this which is perfect for a werewolf connotation because that's what how you the, you know the mythos is if it doesn't kill you you become one so her looking in the mirror with the werewolf basically behind her i like that panel so not directly to argue but did they say somewhere in there where that's her girlfriend yes yes where in the beginning where they're like in the at the at the zoo and then they say something about like you know i love See, you i got the connotation that was her sister Okay. No. No, she talks about going to Snogger later. Like she's like, I'm gonna go piss and da da da. And she's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna go home, snog and da, 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 you know. So they're like flirting and. Stuff oh, I like thought that. she was saying that she would go snog someone, not necessarily her, because they were at no. a club. Nope. I mean the whole. So the the like pitch line for the book is like lesbian werewolves in war. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that is her girlfriend. I got the impression that was her girlfriend. If I'm I wrong, too. I apologize, Simon. <laughs> but I, th- I think so too. Okay. There's, it seems like they're they're trying to do like a Tarantino like playing with the sequence of a story here. Yeah. It's just it's not as coherent as the, you know the way Tarantino does it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. So that part was really disjointed. And oh, sorry. And then also the end, it shocks about uh, goes back to the person in the cage, and it looks like the person that was talking to her at the beginning is the the team leader that that they were all looking for the one that decimated all those people yeah i liked the bookends of the cages you know yeah. that you had the the animal in the cage at the beginning and then her in the cage at the end i thought that was nice nice storytelling yeah so since it was confusing it wasn't like my super favorite but since i really like werewolves i will read this again at least a few more issues to see how it goes <laughs> I like. Don't lie. You're gonna read all of these. Okay. <laughs> Just for the pretty. I like you the you pretty read Carnage. Characters. You'll read this. I read one Carnage. One. I did not read the next issue. Yeah. There, there's. But what if there's I a like, wolf in it? Uh, it has to be on the oh, cover. I'm not gonna snap. go looking for it. 
<laughs> there were there was a thing I liked with the both the music and when she was like scenting the like tracking by by smell where they show like the sound and the sense is like color trails basically that she can mm-hmm. she can see. Um, I don't know if you ever actually read Cujo or not um, from Stephen King, but a lot of that book is written from the dog's point of view, and that's how he describes smells is like these like color trails that you can follow around and that tell you stories yeah. so i thought that was kind of a neat visual way to to do that oh that is another one of my favorite panels when she is smelling it for the first time and her eyes go white and it, and it has them giving her like what instructions and says tell us where she is so we can go we can cheerfully go kill our boss i was like oh yeah that was awesome. i just like the, the phrasing it's like yeah one of the things i liked about the book was it's uh, granted for some stupid reason white wolf doesn't do the whole you got bit by a wolf thing no it's uh, hereditary yeah which irritates the fuck out of me but, although your first change can be triggered by being bitten but yeah but that's not the same thing yeah i've always yeah. wished they had like a mix of it yeah. yeah yeah i totally agree but the thing about this book is it felt like a white wolf book except that's, for the very thing. much yeah like i felt like that german guy was like a get of fenris and she's a black fury yep. you know yeah. if not uh exact i mean obviously you can't use the name oh i love you guys making werewolf references oh you make my oh, heart werewolf. happy i love werewolf <laughs> hey i backed the kickstarter for the new werewolf i'm on it yes excellent all of you should <laughs> i want my thayerge pen so what did you what'd you give this i think i'm gonna give it four but mostly for the drawings of the wolves itself a good four um Fuzzy snouts. I think I will give it uh, three dogs of war. Three dogs of war. Nice. <laughs> uh, I will give it four digitigrade legs because that's what that's called. Oh, right. fancy. Fancy pants. Check out Mr. Fancy Pants. So I have a, a book that I chose from the Marvel Universe, uh, which is Spider-Woman number three from Marvel Comics, uh, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Alvara Lopez, and Javier Rodriguez. So I used to have a favorite issue of a comic book. It used to be an issue of Robin that Bill Willingham wrote that was one of my favorites. Oh, that one's so good. You know which one I'm talking about, yeah, the, right? Or, the, one in the, the one in the school, Yeah, right? where you can just tell that he used to be in the military by the way he writes. Yep. yep, I love that one. Then it was Daredevil number 7 by Mark Wade and Paola and Joel Rivera. Um, but I think this is now my single favorite single-issue comic. Um, I love this book far more than I thought I would. I made, I made the last one the pick of the week, and this one, if I had had the choice, would have also been my pick of the week. I'm finding myself very, very much in love with this series, and there's some, some reasons behind it. I think this book has everything that I look for in a comic book. It's got humor. Um, it's got good action. It's smart. The characters are well written. They have character development within the book. You see unique images that you can't see any that I haven't seen anywhere else. Like a comic book has an unlimited special effects budget, you know, and this book uses that to give me images I haven't seen before. You also get a, a very good understanding of rising drama and conflict uh, throughout this book. So another thing that I really like about this is Jessica is, you know, she's she's a total badass in this series. Um, but the other women that are trapped there with her, they're not just um, like damsels in distress. They're all participating in their own salvation. You know, there's no one there's no one coming to help them. So it kind of takes the the idea of the damsel in distress and turns them into their own 
their own savior, which I like that they kind of all dig deep and find their own strength to do that. Um, this setting has images that I haven't seen before, and you have a really strong sense of that this location is a real place. Um, and you get that from the way that she navigates through. So the, the setup is that she has to get to this uh, this room that has the has like an expert that she needs to understand how to like shut down the shields on the station so that other people can come in and rescue them. But in order to do that, she can't just like walk down the hallway, which is like it's just right across the hall. But, you know, there's scrolls everywhere and she can't do that. So she has to go through like the air vents and through like these like water tanks and through these like this really cool like MC Escher type drawing where she's moving through it. Like those like gears that are always in spaceships for some reason. And you just they're no spelling sense. out words. Yeah. Like, like dunk, yes. dunk or something like, like dunk, that. Yes. Clink. Yeah. Yes. I like that panel um, a lot. There's uh, there's a uh, this really weird alien creature that uh, she goes past. You get like a sense of scale. Like she's really tiny on the page, and this monster is the entire page. It's pretty awesome. So she goes through all of these these really unique rooms, and she goes to the the final room where she finds the head of the person that she's uh, needs to get. So this alien race they like cut off the heads of their great leaders and put them in like cryo storage, basically. Which she, it's, I like there's a there's a scene where Jessica is telling that that's really weird and kind of stupid. And he's like, yeah, but you're here talking to me right now. So obviously it wasn't the dumbest idea ever, which she kind of has to concede that, yeah, it's, it's not that dumb. And then she has to go back the way that she came. So you get the same rooms that she's going through, but the rooms aren't from the same angle. And time has passed since she's been in those rooms. So... Like things have happened to them. There's a there's a panel where she's in the beginning where it's a full page where there's like all these gears and stuff and she's moving through them and it really reminds me of like an Escher painting that she's she's in in the kind of warped perspective. But it, it does this this trick that I've seen a couple issues of of different stories do where you show like the person in different places throughout the image and you get a sense of their movement like throughout both space and time. The the best thing I can relate it to if you've never seen is done in comics is like those old family circus uh, maps where you see the you know the little footsteps of the person and then they'll show like a picture of them doing something and then there'll be more footsteps and finally they end up back so you can kind of follow their journey mm -hmm. um it's a similar technique but it's that's not the best analogy for it it's just the one that i can think of if you haven't seen it done it's deep in ditko spider-man it's really awesome i'm a big fan of it they did it in uh the humans and i've seen it in this a couple times so I'm, I'm a big fan of that, that style. The original um, Spider-Man books had that all the time. Well, good. They should bring it back. I'm a fan. Um, no, we want to make the spider glow, and he's going to be this rich uh, moron. Uh, I am so looking forward to next week when we get, I think it's Miles Morales, uh, I think is next week. I think they're making the Spider-Man books suck on purpose to make people want uh, Miles more. I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be some grand plan. Like, I was I was all good with uh, Superior Spider-Man and uh, all of that, so I kind of trust that Dan Slott knows what he's doing. I just really don't like it. He, he might know what he's doing, but that doesn't mean he's doing something that you want him to do. I guess that's true. He's executing a poor idea well, <laughs> I guess. That's what he's best at. So there's, like, this world exists like off panel like just because she's not in the the room doesn't mean that it's not changing and people aren't reacting like there's one scene where these like scrolls have this like laser cannon thing that they're using to like bore through like each of the like blast doors that have come down 
and you see her passing through the panels at different points where they're showing that hallway with the scrolls in it and in each one they're like further along the hallway so you kind of get this sense of like time ticking away even though there's not a clock showing you how long all this is taking you can tell that time is passing then she meets this little the scroll prince that they're there to to execute and he's this little kid who has um cancer and he's uh, like a total trooper when she shows up like he's not phased by it at all He's ready to go with her um, because he recognizes her as an Avenger. I think he says the Avenger with the cute butt, I think is how Uh he refers to her. Yep. So he's all he's all for trusting her and going with her. And then this is where they get really good at escalating tension because there's there's these scrolls that they have to confront. So you get these moments where, you know, Jessica is the kid is freaking out, like in the background, like running back and forth. Like, it reminds me of, like, in a lot of, like, animated cartoons where you'll see a character just, like, with their, like, arms up, like, running, like, screaming in the background. Ah! Yeah, like, back and forth across the panel is basically what he's doing. Yeah, and then she calms move. Yes. And then she calms him down and, you know, tells him that we're going to get out of this alive. And, you know, she's here to save everybody. And she looks totally badass while she's saying it. She's got, like, her guns all ready to go. And then in a – what I'm talking about with, like, escalating tension and stakes happening is that's when her labor kicks in. And, like, her water breaks, so then she's, like, collapsed on the floor, like, behind, like, a crate, basically completely incapacitated and can't do anything. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the kid is going to also participate in his own salvation and, like, start firing those guns at the other scrolls, or if she's going to pull it together. I don't know, but I very much want to find out what happens next. I like this one because you see both – you get to see her being both badass and being very vulnerable. So I think that this book – has a lot of a lot of things going on and it does them all very very well. It's very well written. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. What did you guys think? So I've never really had any interest in reading Spider Woman before until you started getting us to read it. It kind of goes along the lines where, like I was saying earlier, I don't really care for at first where, okay, there was Spider Man. He's really popular, so now we need Spider Kid and Spider Gwen and spider woman and girl and you know whatever right or or, you know she hulk and like i i never really got that i always thought it was kind of like a money grab have taken off and become something of their own you know like she hulk was definitely her own thing but that just initially is why i wouldn't just like i'm gonna go pick this up but i really do like it's really interesting now to me like also just because you know she's pregnant that seemed like a very interesting take having been that i'm like oh yeah (laughs) this is really cool and yeah she's just really interesting and it's fun and um yeah and definitely like yeah with attention because you know that's always been like this bomb that's it's gonna happen sooner or later you knew it was gonna they it was gonna get deployed i guess in some fashion and i had just been waiting from issue to issue like when is it gonna happen (laughs) well it's like it's like her pregnancy is like chekhov's gun you know they show you the pregnancy and you know it has to go off at some point in the story yeah you know so I really like it. So kudos to you. Like I was like, I don't want to read that. And then I'm like, oh, this is actually getting pretty cool. I also really like the stuff with like Carol and uh, Jessica when they're talking. They have like those panels like where they're having with one on each side where they're having the conversation. Carol is sassy and I just love that. Yeah. Well, I like it where she keeps telling her to stop apologizing, that she knows she's sorry, but it doesn't matter. That they just have to, you know, put the mission first and get through this, you know? Yeah. I like that. Sometimes it's people who say sorry for saying sorry need to be told to shut up. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What do you think? Quite, in, I don't want to say impressed because I pretty much assumed the book was going to be this good. Um, Spider-Woman's got a varied history. 
she's one of those characters that's kind of been a offshoot character for most of her existence, which is perfect considering the way that they're doing the book is a lot like a Spider-Man version of She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. She is Spider-Hulk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's it's just it's a fun character. It's got quirky, good, intelligent writing. Uh, with the saddest part is that it's only going to last so long and they're going to cancel it after a while. Well, I don't know about that because there's a big Marvel crossover event coming up with Spider-Woman, uh, Spider-Gwen, Silk, and uh, all the Spider-Chicks. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. She-Hulk's on, like, uh, what, volume number six? <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that's the thing. She It's a she great book. about twelve and then gets canceled. And yeah, it's exactly. It, it's it's a really great book. I love this book. I like the twist of having her be pregnant. I like the new costume. Um, the storyline on the the hospital ship thing has been fun. I I, I it's just it's fun to read, uh, but mm, it's also exactly. not just goofy. It's an intelligent fun. Uh, the characters are written fairly realistic. They've got realistic goals and things that drive them. It's it's a good read. I'll give it four whips. I give it uh, five fizzy reds, which if I, you look in the vending machine, when they're having that shootout, there's fizzy red in the machine. Um, I give it four contractions. Nice. <gasps> you don't even know. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> Speaking of walking <laughs> things off, uh, my next book was Superman number 48 by DC Comics, written by somebody, Gene Luen Yang, art by Howard Porter. This is the what, Savage Dawn storyline uh, that's been happening in Superman 48. There were, or, well, not just 48. It's been happening in the Superman books. It's going to continue happening for, if I remember right, another six issues between Superman and Action Comics. It's also Superman Wonder Woman. Oh yes, you're correct. Which is dumb because I went back and read the I read all the backstory on the Savage Dawn stuff so that I could get caught up. Which is a little confusing because they did a misprint. They actually pointed at like next month's book for oh. one of the like uh, read or the story's continued in such and such issue, uh, and it's annoying because it's not a direct carryover. It's after basically Wonder Woman and Superman get their asses handed to them. Um, and she goes and takes Superman to get healed by the, the Greek gods, such as they are. It doesn't end with her doing that, it, but the next book starts off with her doing that. But the previous book ends saying, go read this book. And it's next month's book, but the book where you're supposed to go read is actually this month's book. Or I guess last month's. Depends on how you want to look at it. So uh, this book is the story of Superman basically trying to get his powers back because he's got to take down Vandal Savage uh, from the aforementioned Savage Dawn. Vandal Savage is doing a taking over the world plot and using his children. Uh, anybody who doesn't know Vandal Savage is basically – there are two characters in the DC Universe. There's Vandal Savage who is immortal. He can't be killed. Uh, no. No, I'm I'm getting to something here. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Um, There's Vandal Savage, who is – he was a caveman who basically fell asleep because he was cold near a meteorite. And when he woke up, he was immortal and more intelligent than everybody else. And he, throughout time, just gets more and more intelligent. But he's also – well, he's savage. Uh, He's bent on rule. Uh, He basically took over the tribe that he was – 
uh, member of at the time. Uh, he built one of the first, you know, empires with him at the command, and he's been spending all of history amassing uh, wealth and knowledge and power to varying degrees. He's there's been some retcon stories where Vandal Savage is a member of the Nazi Party. He helped form the Nazi Party. Uh, he started the World Wars. Uh, all of these things so that he could basically come to power. There was a, another character who, uh, I think it was Bloodstone, uh, where it's basically you've got Vandal Savage who can't die. Uh, you can, you know, beat the crap out of him, hurt the, like, you know, beat him to shreds and all that, but he'll heal and he'll come back. And he's very strong, um, not Superman strong, though sometimes they like to make him like that. But he's he's Batman smart and he's got what humans would consider super strength. And he can't die. Like he, can, he can probably pick up a car and throw it at you, but probably not a tank. Correct. Uh, yeah. But there's another guy in the DC universe that they never pull out for any of these stories because he's not really all that interesting. Uh, there was seven – Grant Morrison did a, a miniseries on it. The, I think it's like Seven Forgotten Heroes or something. Seven Soldiers of Victory. Seven Soldiers of Victory. He's one of those Seven Soldiers of Victory. He basically can die, but he'll come back. He keeps getting reincarnated throughout time, and he and Vandal Savage are – supposed to be you know, basically diametrically that whole reincarnating thing so vandal savage is, is up to no good superman got his ass handed to him yeah. he's been healed by so yes so the the basic storyline kind of started uh, a year or two ago i think it was with the truth um possibly i'm not 100 percent sure on that it was the one with the alien the other alien dude God. so superman uh, basic ulysses they gave him this ridiculous ulysses that's ironic because yeah, you... I think the guy who reincarnates name is Ulysses Bloodstone. I hear this um, is Hamana 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 DC. So Hamana, Superman Hamana. basically <laughs> lost his powers because they gave him this ridiculously stupid supernova power where he basically burns out the energy he has stored up and then he has to heal. But it usually takes him about a day to heal back up and kind of recharge his battery. But this time he's not recharging all the way back up. He's... You know, he's still got strength and all that, you know, super strength, and, and he's more resilient, but he's very vulnerable. vulnerable, I guess. He's not human vulnerable, but he's not Superman. Uh, he can't fly. Uh, he, he just doesn't really have a lot of his token Superman powers, uh, which I guess they're doing because people complain that, oh, he's Superman. He can't be hurt except by this green rock, to which I say, shut the fuck up. I'm sick and tired of people trying to cripple Superman. Just fucking deal with it. God damn it. Anyway. I, I I like the I think Superman is much more interesting this way. I think Superman would be much more interesting if somebody just hired somebody who knows how to write Superman. Mm -hmm. Because I've we've had stories where Superman is all Superman powerful and he's still an interesting character. I suppose. Just saying. I don't think that this is an interesting character. I think this is a crippled character, and you you not a good way to make a character interesting by crippling them. That shows you but, are a weak writer, because the only way you can make a character interesting is by taking away the one of the thing that makes the character the character. This is part of what I fucking hated about post crisis Superman was they crippled Superman. John motherfucking Byrne. There we hit our fuck meter. Okay, so John Byrne crippled Superman with the stupid Man of Steel miniseries. Right, And then it took us 15 fucking years to get Superman back to being Superman. He had to die in the middle of the whole thing. He had to have a goddamn breathing mask to go into space. And it's not Superman's fault that you can't fucking write the character. Write 
interesting. Okay, you don't need to have. He's he's not one of those people who just goes and hits things. Use his intelligence. If, he's super if, intelligent, but nobody ever writes that. The problem is, I didn't realize we we're going to get into a whole Superman debate here that Chris is going to send silently through pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Superman is is super powerful and super, there there's very little that can threaten him. And if a character is not in danger, they are not interesting because they're not in crisis. So this is the problem There's with no not surrounding Superman by his normal cast of characters. The way you put Superman in danger is by putting his friends in danger. You put the world in danger, that sort of thing. You put Superman up against people who are intelligent enough to beat him or are strong enough to hurt him when they hit him. I think the more interesting part of Superman is the man, not the super. But they're not doing that. He's super bro. Like literally, <laughs> that's what I get out of the new Fifty Two Superman. Is he's super bro. He's got that fucking buzz cut. He acts like a bro. Which is I, not I a good. I do thing. not like the new Fifty Two Superman. I, I I think I voiced that on previous <laughs> episodes. I don't like the way that they're doing Superman. I'm feeling really hopeful, though. I shouldn't because I know they're just going to give me more of the same for the what we're speculating Rebirth is going to be. But I don't think that they're doing good with Superman. They're, they're not doing good by him. Right? Don't take his powers away. Just don't make him I can move planets strong. Okay? He, he's more than just a guy who can hit things and can't get hurt. Fucking put Kryptonite in there. Well, there is he's Kryptonite magic. in this story. He's vulnerable to magic. He can yes. be cut and hurt by magic. You ever do that? No. That's, that's 70 why years worth of stories. You can't tell me you can't think of something to fucking write. Redo the stories that nobody's going to be able to go read. I think we have a fundamental disagreement on what makes a good Superman. Uh, I think you are right. We do have a fundamental disagreement about this. <laughs> because you but don't want is... to read Superman because you want them to take his powers away. I prefer when he is – I'm fine with him being the most powerful of the Justice League or the superheroes. I'm cool with that idea. I'm not cool with him being more powerful than everyone else combined. I don't like that. No, I don't think he should be more powerful than everybody else combined. And I, I think, think that he when should he, be more powerful. And I think in the same way that Spider-Woman was interesting when she was had adversity that she had to overcome, Superman becomes more interesting when he has adversity that he has to overcome. But he can't just laser beam the shit out of things and story over, you know? So don't if, have him laser beam the shit out of things to make the story over. You find his like inherent goodness and the, the strength of his character to inspire and lead people you know, comes to the forefront when he can't throw moons around, you know? Right, but the I'm going to cripple Superman storyline is just as dull and boring as the Superman is all powerful. All right. Because it's the same thing. It's like I can do two Superman stories, one where he just hits things and everything gets destroyed, or I depower Superman so that Superman can be hurt. Yeah. And he's no longer Superman if you depower him. He's mm-hmm. slightly better man. I think we're going to keep going in this circular argument all night, but we should move on to the... <laughs> Wake up, Carissa. Wake up. Oh, it's my... Nerds are done arguing. Ooh, ooh, is it my turn? Is it not DC? <laughs> not quite yet. Damn. <laughs> I'm going to give it three uh, capes. I gave that one four kryptonites. Four kryptonite tombs. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I did give it... think that mm-hmm. that was a good little, I'm going to go sit in kryptonite to try to get my powers back. I've never seen it before, so it was interesting. What'd you give it, uh, Chris? Uh, middle of the road, two and a half bros. Two and a half super bros? <laughs> super bros. So you you had a, another image book. Well, it's actually going on Christina's book, but I would have picked it too had I had extra picks. Monstrous number three, Image Comics, written by Marjorie Liu. I think that's right. Art by 
Asana Takeda. I love monstrous. So we left off when the like weirdo nuns were, you know, hunting our our main character, and she's confronted in the um in the woods. And this time we get to see just what she's turning into, Ugh. and it was something. And it's Cthulhu. <laughs> it's basically yeah, tentacles and darkness and evilness. And <laughs> this is why I don't like anime. And it, it looked amazing. So, yeah, so I didn't actually take notes on this, so I'm going to have to struggle through with what I remember, besides it just being really cool. So she, we'll, all carry, we'll all carry the load. Yeah, we'll so she scares off the nun, who takes off, but the others, and the cat comes by, basically, it's basically, you need to go save our people that we're with. You know, you know the little fox and the nice old lady and her baby. You need to go there because the other Inquisition, basically, they have them. And she's like, who are they to me? And the cat's basically smacking some sense into her. There's a look your cat can give you when it thinks you're a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is more often than you probably would like from your cat. That is the exact look that cat gives her. That cat is great. <laughs> I love that cat. And so, and yeah, so then there's like, you know, there's a like a you know, scuffle basically. And the fox basically was running away scared and eventually realizes that it needs to help because, oh my God, that's another thing. I was freaking out as a mom, as you guys know, I can't read witches and things where things hurt kids. It freaks me out. And just that threat. Oh, the sword? I was like, yeah. Or the no, bayonet, no, it wasn't a sword. Bay- it was a bayonet. bayonet. I was like, that I, was such a tension field filled scene. I thought you know? I was going to have to throw the book. I was like, no, 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 they're not going to do this. They're not. Cause I mean, the book is in generally we've seen very graphic and violent. And I'm like, Oh no. So I thought maybe they would do that. And they would send yeah. her over. See, that, that's a problem. I'm like, Oh, I don't know that I could not put this book past that. Yeah. We've, we've seen children being eaten alive. Yeah. I mean, so I was just like freaking out. I was like, no, no. Luckily, the baby does not fall on the bayonet. Spoilers, as you guys all know. <laughs> Though, the thing I thought was that the, so she rips the horn apparently off of the unicorn, which you don't see. All we know is that this white horse comes charging through to disrupt this whole like tense scene. And you see, like, it's bleeding, but then all of a sudden, one of them's like, the horn's been pulled off. And then all she comes through and just uses this as a weapon, a very um, efficient weapon. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We do get a little bit more story, um, background story, where we have, is it the Mother Superior? Is it, is that who she is? Who's talking? The the ones in the creepy sketches mess? Yeah. So they bring the one back to life and they're talking to her. And she has a weird, like, cage mask over her face, which we're assuming because she'll probably try to eat them because they brought her back to life. Not correct. And I think it's Mother Superior who she's talking to. The other one. And basically, correct me if I'm wrong. But anyways, they're talking about who Mako's, Mieko's um, mom is and who she probably is. And they're saying, no, no, no. She killed her daughter. She remember she brought us this burnt husk of a kid and they're saying no so she's not above sacrificing hundreds of other children to save her own and they're like oh yeah good point basically and so they're basically you're learning more about their background and how they tie in with what she is and then as they're escaping she, she starts talking about how she saw that picture of her mom with these people and she's gonna go seek out more information she's trying to tell the fox kid you know you can't come with me and you he was it like a flashback with her and her mom i don't know what it was or a vision something like them in the temple and yeah and then her and her mom saying you must remember this name and whisper something in her ear and then but then it cuts to them traveling and you see the big nasty monster like in the sky and they say something like oh yeah death can't see you and i'm like what <laughs> i was confused by that part 
I thought the the fox kid um, is just the most adorable thing. Totally. But especially when she's scared and she's like trying to like go through the river and like rub like all the leaves on her so that they can't track her is just you know you can sense her her terror in this. So I like the little fox kid. Um, I like the cat. The plot is extremely confusing to me. Like I just I don't know. I think this I'm, I'm losing the the thread of this. No, the fox kid totally reminds me of the fox kid from Inuyasha. Matt. From- yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Matt, you got me on this one? Ryan won't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know that's, that's totally that what I like. thought of when I, yeah. when I saw him. Especially that uh, I scene. I can't remember yeah, that, that character's name, but... Shippo? Shippero. Yeah. Um, especially since in the scene where... You know how we were talking about Superman, all you heard was blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when you guys talk about anime, all I hear is blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was... That's what I said. Even if the... the the plot I'm getting a little lost on, the book is just gorgeous. Like, even if I don't understand what's going on, I'm going to keep reading this because it is amazing to look at. Yeah. It, so, I, it reads to me like a really good, well-done Changeling game, too. So I'm really into that, too. It's just, they're like humans, and they're twisted, and then there's the other half of the, on the world on the other side of the wall, which are, like, demons and, like, creatures. I, I don't know. I love it. It's beautiful. Plus the cat. I, I'd read it alone just for that cat. Yeah, that cat's pretty amazing. It is fucking creepy. Not the cat, the book. <laughs> it's like somebody mixed uh, Final Fantasy with Lovecraft and a little bit of – I could see a little bit of the changeling in there. I say maybe some X, the anime series X from 1999. I don't think I've, I've ever seen X. Oh. It has that kind of look. So what did you end up giving it? Uh, I gave it – Four and a half extra cattails. Damn it. You keep stealing my things. That's what I was going to do. Because <laughs> I'm amazing. Well, keep in mind, this is a book that I cannot follow the, the plot on very well. So most of this is because of the art. And I gave it three and a half unicorn horns. I gave it. Fuck, you did it. God damn it. That's what <laughs> my second. Fuck. Give me a moment. Fuck. Oh, okay, I gave it four fox kids. There we go. And I so can follow I had... the plots. All the yeah, plot. Must, must be your strong history of anime that allows you to follow this. It's not an anime story. I don't know what's going on. There's weirdness, and yeah, I, I know everything I need to know. Speaking of weirdness. Right. Yeah, the arm was like talking to her. Okay, go ahead. You're talking about Southern Bastards number 13? I am from speaking Thomas? of Southern Baptists. Bastards. Southern Baptists? I did that no, no, same no. thing the other day. <laughs> same. To me, that's one and the same. I don't know. I, I think that's on purpose. <laughs> Southern Bastards number 13, uh, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. So Southern Bastards is probably one of my favorite um, image series. If you have read um, Scalped, it's very similar to Scalped. Um, Not so much in plot, but in the way that it'll take a character. And it's also kind of true for, I think I mentioned this before, like the way that uh, George R. R. Martin tells his Game of Thrones stories. You'll see things from one point of view. You'll know who all the bad people are. Then it'll switch to like their point of view, and you'll see other people as being bad. So this kind of continues that. Like Coach Boss, who's kind of the been a protagonist for a really long time now, um, it was the original villain of this uh, story, and he's still a total bastard. Like I, I hate that guy. I respect him, but I hate him. So this book, this issue is a lot about football. And I am not a huge football fan. Um, you don't say. I, I care more about the the Craw County uh, running revs than I do about the Super Bowl that's going to take place. It's more interesting to me. I think that this presents – it uses football to talk about struggle and 
what how it is that you you break and beat a man um there's an idea in in fighting and in football that you like if you can take a person's heart away from them that if you can make them give up that their their body will soon follow you know and that's where you see their team being beaten that they're facing these um these overwhelming physical odds because the uh, the next county over their football players are just like giants, uh, like striding the earth and just tossing them around like they're they're nothing, and they're 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 overwhelmed. I want to say Watumpka, I think, is the next county over. So you see this game playing out, and you see the players getting you know pressed, and they can't find like they can't find that that winning spirit um, inside of them to to press on and. Coach Boss is is not having any of it. Like he's, you know, telling them like get out there and bleed, break bones. You know that there's there's basically break their bones. You know that there's there's two types of men. There's you know men who are full of um, what does he say? Men who are full of quit and men who are full of uh, can't remember the other thing that he compares it to. But it's basically people who give up and people who quit. And that this this game they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. Like what kind of men they are? Are they the type of type of men who who give up? And they lose this game really, really badly. There's there's panels in here um, that I think do a really good job of showing you someone's like spirit breaking. Like there's a guy who's like down on like one knee, like kind of like in the rain, you know, and he doesn't want to get back up to, to keep playing the game. So I, I think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in here. Um, the art wise, um, none of the all of these characters look different. None of them look the same. But they all have a, a common characteristic that they're all like beaten down, weathered, um, haggard looking. They're all they have very unique faces, but like none of them are attractive. These are like people like, you know, hacked out of like granite or, or like carved from like a tree or something. Um, they're like forces of nature. So although I don't find the, the art really visually like appealing, like attractive, um, it's it has such a strong sense of character that I really like that about it. We meet, we meet a new bastard in this one, um, which is the mayor's wife, whose um, husband, the mayor, has like had like a stroke or something like that, and he's paralyzed and like in a, a wheelchair with like an oxygen tank. But the his wife is kind of like using his office while he's basically begging for death. Like there's these little panels where he's like whispering, and if you like if you zoom in on the panels, you can read what he's saying. Which is interesting because he's basically just you know asking them to kill him. And this this woman reminds me a lot of like a Lady Macbeth character, like she's kind of the mastermind behind the behind the throne. And she's she's awful. <laughs> the fact that she's doing this to her husband, and that she's like her husband has an auction tank and she's like smoking next to him. To me, that's just like the ultimate way of showing her like disregard for for him. So we see all of these characters that we've been following or I've been following. Uh, anyway, for for 12 issues before this, all lining up at this homecoming dance for this big reckoning that's that's coming. I really I really like this. It's got a great halftime speech in it that I think you know can stand alongside uh, your great sports movie speeches in there. I really I really liked it. I think that this book shows physicality very well, like the the way when they're playing football and they hit people. Um, it, it shows very well. It also shows uh, like the faces of the people really well, um, and I think that the the story is very strong. And the way that they do the characters, with no one being good or bad, I really I really enjoy it. Did you guys Did you guys read Southern Bastards? I did not. Sorry, I I couldn't. I ran out of time. I read it. What'd you think, Matt? 
I hate the South. I hate sports. I hate football. That said, Jason Aaron did a very good job writing these things, and Jason Latour did a very good job drawing these things. Did a very good job drawing things you hate? Yes. <laughs> the panel that we posted, I, that art, yeah, the art is phenomenal. And the writing is phenomenal, too. Well, I would say the writing probably is. I mean, it's Jason Aaron. Just hate so. the subject matter. Well, I think this is Jason Aaron kind of like exercising like the demons of the South. Like that's where he's from. And he, he loves it and he hates it, you know, at the same time in like these conflicted mass, you know. I'd Frankly, no offense to Jason Aaron or you, rather watch Waterboy. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was actually <laughs> thinking about uh, the Water Boy when I was watching this. Actually, you can do a Bobby Boucher. Yeah, you can cut his fucking head off. I really liked it. I gave it four running ribs. Mm, I'll give it three cigarettes. All right, and then we had one last book, I think. That's right. Not uh, okay. Well, I had uh, Faith Number One from Valiant Comics, written by Jody. Hauser, an art by Francis Portella and Marguerite Savage. 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 Okay. I I picked this book because I was really stoked to see a plus-size superhero. And even that, plus-size female superhero. This comic definitely had a feel. Did it remind you, Ryan, of, um, oh, I'm going to draw a blank on on the name. That other book? That one with the stuff. The thing with the girl with the stuff. The one that you described as Sex in the City superheroes a long time ago. Oh, the one that one of the first books I ever not pitched you, but like showed you that you should read. Yeah. Um, that was Ultra. Ultra from the Luna, Luna Brothers. So this had a feeling like of Ultra to me. I don't know. So it starts off. So there's um this girl who's Faith or Zephyr, I think she goes by is her superhero name, and she lives in L.A. area. And she's a, it's like, they call it a scion or a psych, a psyker. What, what? It's like their, yeah, their version of mutant. Yeah, or... something like that. So she basically become an orphan and found out she had these powers that she lived with her. Um, I love the fact that she's a geek. Oh my God. She's such a nerd. Yes. I love that about her so much. She's like a comic book nerd. She says she likes science fiction. If you notice in her bathroom, there it was like a Gallifrey and Doctor Who like shower curtain and then like a Gundam on the like counter when she was in the shower getting ready oh i loved it so much um so anyway so she's like you know she's basically getting her backstory how she got powers and how she joined up with a, a squad and went off on her own and she was done with them and she was basically trying to make a way for herself and she's living in this apartment with this alternate identity working for basically some sort of like online rag she that, works for the nerdist yeah i thought she's like buzzfeed is what it reminded me yeah of. i was like, yeah. i think more buzzfeed. oh no you're right or TMZ, but yeah, no, then the nerdist. Yeah, but basically an online thing where they want clicks and shares, basically. And she writes like little like clickbait things, it seems like. But my favorite part is she's in her apartment waking up and she's hearing people through the walls. And it's like a spy and like an arms dealer. And they're like talking about like crimes of killing people or I'll show you where I hid the bodies and da 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 da. And she. <laughs> And she just goes in over there with, like, a robe and, like, her disguise and acting like a Goodwill neighbor and everything. And the guy does not look like a spy at all. He looks like some weird, like, surfer douchebag or something. <laughs> it's like... That's what he wants you to think. That's what he is. That's that, this was my favorite part of the book. And so she's, like, talking to him. It's like, you know, because her disguise, she looks so, like, dowdy, I think, and, like, frumpy in her disguise a little bit. But, um, yeah, and then she goes to work and just talking to everyone. And I, I love the guy who his job is to cover things, but he actually really hates, like... Pop culture? Pop culture, yeah. He's like Matt. 
I don't hate <laughs> pop culture. <laughs> Mr. So, I hate anime. And so, like, one of her old team members, or I guess her ex-boyfriend on the team, is, like, in some sort of reality show, and they're, like, talking about him, and he's, like, it's like this a reality is like the situation. Show. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> like in hitting on girls and things like that. It's it's strange. Was it just me or did the two guys that were going that were like the bad guys, did they look like him? Or is that just me just confusing the, the artwork? Because it kind of looked I'm like, oh, maybe her ex was like a clone kind of psychic mutant thing. I, I didn't really notice that, but I wasn't I think paying he just that looked like generic good looking guy number three. Yeah, but then those two guys look like identical blonde, good-looking guy number three. Also, like in the same way that like Hawkeye and Steve Rogers look like exactly the same. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I say. It could be that, but that's what that was the thought that I had though when I saw it. I'm like, huh? Because you don't really know where it's going. Because she's um she's going into this house to investigate something, and it looks like someone has like an anti-mutant like or psychic or whatever they call them power, and she's about to get like zapped with it. <laughs> so in general. I actually, I really liked the artwork. I thought it was very cute. And I really liked the, I, I mean, it felt like a superhero comic, kind of a new origin. And I like that she's a nerd and she's cute. And I think she's really relatable. I want to see what they do with this. I don't like her costume now. The white thing, I think doesn't, I don't think it looks very good looking. But other than that, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. Because I know it's not a typical thing that you might read on your own. <laughs> well, so I, I, there were a couple thoughts that I had. This book was so wordy. Like, Oh my god, it was it was a slog to to read. Sometimes like when you're writing especially in comic books, it's not a novel, you know? Like less is more. Yes, we know uh, you like silent panels. I do. I I feel like even for like a regular comic book, this probably had I think two to three times the amount of writing you would find in any other book. Yeah, I think they're trying um, to fit a lot in and show that she's Have you read a lot of Valiant books? Well, that, that that's the other thing is I don't read a lot of Valiant books, and this confirms to me why I don't read a lot of Valiant books, because this seems like one grade below what I consider – I don't want to say actual comic book companies. <laughs> that's not very nice. Oh, but like one, snap. One Ooh. step below like Marvel, DC, Image. Valiant's um, older than Marvel. Dark, Dark Horse. Well, Marvel as like Marvel. They're not Dynamite. older than Timely, but – Boom, you know. So let I mean, I could just be going on. Whoa, my... shit! Them's fighting words. Did it? Did dynamite and boom are better than valiant? Yes. I'll stand by that every day. Oh my god! This. At least you didn't I did say not, Malibu was fucking better. I don't. I don't know what that is, but Malibu I, comics. I, I only know Malibu Stacy from <laughs> The Simpsons. Oh my so. god, Prime! You don't. You don't remember Malibu? No clue. They got bought by Marvel in like '97. Mm, there was nope. They were. I mean, Valiant. Uh, Maybe he's wow. fucking thing Magnus, is- Robot Hunter, Solar, Archer and Armstrong, nothing. No, Solar, Archer, and Armstrong, Archer and Armstrong sounds familiar. Archer but- and Armstrong. I, so I was about to say I want to start including more Valiant stuff in. I was saying uh, like this- I think it's the, the active. Good thing. God, I fucking hate Valiant. So I think oh. the app- I I'll take that as a challenge. It's probably the body image activist in me. I mean, I really think that this probably couldn't have gotten sold onto another bigger name one because they would be turned off by the fact of having someone plus size and not the ideal body so, type of of a superhero female. There are a couple things I did like about that. Is that that is a part of her character, but that's not the point of her character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they don't do any like cheap jokes. Like there's an image on the cover where she's like sitting on like a wire. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you wanted to be, like, mean and funny, you know, like, the wire would be, like, bending down. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know? And so, and there's never, 
I don't. I can't really think of anyone where ever anyone is ever mean to her or calling her fat or anything like that in this book. Yeah, and her boyfriend was so clearly I, like some sort of like hunky guy, per ex. Yeah. So. So I mean, I, I appreciate that. But I just don't know if like a, a bigger name comic book company would have picked it up, and so I'm really glad that even though you might not think very highly of Val- Valiant, I really like the fact that someone gave it a chance and give it. Um, this offers another point of view. It can, it does be really wordy, but I like the idea of it, and I, I do think she's adorable. It reminds me of in um, Bitch Planet that all the women have different body types, you know? Yeah. I liked how wordy it was. Yeah, uh, I, hated, I like the story. I hated how wordy it I was. I like Valiant Comics. <laughs> I hate Valiant Comics. You honestly can't really say that because you can't really think of – any stories from any no, other Valiant that, that's That's not true. I, I just read named a off a separate. You can't tell you, me no, that no. You, you just said I read a. Uh. This doesn't remind you of uh, of Ultra at all. To me, it had a very Ultra feel to it. I felt like they were trying for it. So if Ultra was the HBO version, oh, this is like – call this uh, Showtime. I, was gonna, I wasn't going to say Showtime. Stars? I was going to say life, Lifetime. Like, oh, it, fuck you. No, I would give it more like freeform, like you know, Pretty Little Liars area. Maybe I don't know. It just I, this does not stack up to Ultra. Um, I, I don't see even the know what you're talking about. The Luna Brothers. No Ultra. I have it, no idea what that it's is. It's it's by the Luna Brothers, and it's a good. That read. doesn't mean but anything to me either. Uh, well, it's a standalone. You should you should try it sometime. No, they're part of Image. Oh, they are now. Okay. Well, okay, that's they, not like saying it's part of. Anything. When we met them, they had their own booth, and I remember buying it directly from their hands. Yep. They wrote uh, Alex and Ada, which ended just a couple months ago, which is an amazing story. Highly recommend it. It's about robots. It's awesome. But this one, what what did you end up giving it, Carissa? I gave it three and a half Gundam toys um, because I feel like it's still trying to get off the ground. I feel like I like the concept, but I really want to see more where it goes. So, yeah. Matt? I'll give it three and a half psionics or whatever the heck the name of their people are. I thought it I'll was really it... good. Uh, I Like I said, I, I like the story. I like the whole point of the thing, and I like the Valiant universe. And that guy she was talking to was Archer from Archer and Armstrong, the blonde dude. Yeah, okay. She was Skyping with. Oh, nice. The one where he kind of, like, was brushing her off. I thought that was small. But I like how she's like, well, I'm just going to let that pass. I'm like, you go, girl. I give it, uh, I give it two valiants. That's saying a lot. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> awful. Like, it wasn't, it just wasn't good. I don't know if I can explain it. Like, I could see if there, there are things in here that you could like. But I felt the overall quality was just like a step below, and it was way too wordy. The art was fine. I had no problems with it. I can't believe you're saying a book is too wordy. It's a book. But he's weird. You liked the 90s Marvel, didn't you? It's not a novel. It's not prose. It's supposed to be the two things tied together, and I thought they did that very well. But what if the character – I I challenge you. Has a rambling inner monologue. Let's get the word count on Southern Baptist. (laughs) Bastards. Okay, that... I will put the word count of Southern Bastards Get up the against gaming. the word count of Carissa of not Carissa. Of, <laughs> of, la, 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 fine. Oh yeah. Okay, too chatty. What do you... <laughs> of faith. We'll we'll do a count for it. Not now, obviously. But... Nope. Start counting. <laughs> no, we got we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So but Matt, you had a Matt. you wanted a, you had a special little topic for us. Well, a couple special little topics. First, I'd like to wish a happy twenty fourth birthday to Image Comics. We obviously Love Image Comics, um, considering one, yes. two, three, four of this week's 
comics are all image books. And let's remember when we first started uh, doing this, I believe our first like six, I want to say, picks were image comics in a row. Yep. So, so um, yeah. and we regularly attend Image Expo the, too. Yes. We as no. a group a lot regularly attend Image Expo. Yes, True. No, maybe. Do hippies <laughs> yep. regularly attend Image Expo? That's what I heard. Yep. That's as right. a, as a group, we attend Image Expo, uh, uh, which was to me one of the most fulfilling creative motivations i've had in a long time it was awesome it was it's an expo that's about the comics there's no like store there's no like you know exhibit hall where you're buying tchotchkes or anything like that you're there just to learn and hear about the comics yes i think they've they've honestly come a long way from being just the kind of a haven for the rich brats of marvel's 90s to being a really strong kind of creator-owned home uh, that still has a f- somewhat of a feel of being a thing. Um, because they're not a thing. It's not like the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe or anything like that. Image is a fertile soil to grow your own yeah. worlds in. To me, Image is quality. I know if I pick up an Image book, it's probably going to be pretty damn good. Yes. Now. Well, even – okay. I, I liked Spawn. Um I wasn't a big fan of like Youngblood or like Wildcats or like any of that, um, but I know a lot of people who were, you know. Yeah. But I mean th- that image to this image is a completely different company. It is. It is. Like, I love the early, image now. Yeah. Like early image was like I knew it was going to be extreme. Whatever I picked extreme! up. Extreme. You know? Well, it was going to be very nineties. Yeah. It's going to have belt pouches and... And shoulder you know, pads. Yeah. And no angles. And, and it's extreme. I, I, the idea of creators owning their own work um, allows them to go to like creative places that are just are awesome. I, I can't say enough good things about Image Comics. Not only that, but they were smart enough to fire Rob Liefeld from his own company. Did they fire Liefeld? They fired oh. Liefeld. I thought he was still doing Top Cow stuff. No. Um, Liefeld was uh, the head of Awesome Comics, and Image Comics kicked Awesome Comics out. Mm, I don't know. They voted not... his butt to the curb. He came back in. They let him back in, but they still had the smartness to just – he inks while driving, man. Like, seriously. Anyway. <laughs> not going to defend his art. Yeah, you can't really defend his art. Um, so the other side of things is, uh, this little kind of subset here is going to be kind of a, just to, to talk to our fans, which I'm told we have, and the numbers show that we have people who actually listen to us. I would really invite people to please comment on our Facebook page and visit, uh, fourcolornerds.com. Um, but I wanted to talk about our stuff as a whole. Uh, this is our... 17th episode uh we've been doing this for a few months um we're uh working on some social sharing stuff on the web page i invite any of our listeners to like again visit the site comment on stuff kind of get involved in letting us know what you think feedback get into the arguments get into the conversation uh if you have some ideas or anything else like that out there i just kind of like to invite everybody to kind of join in either on our Facebook page. We're also uh, going to be uh, getting active on Twitter, uh, at Four Color Nerds. 
Uh, we're also on Instagram, where we'll be posting our our panels uh, that we find uh, funny or interesting or whatnot. Uh, and then those will be sharing over to the Facebooks and the Twitters. Um, but uh, I just kind of wanted to take a little moment to just see if we can get the word out there and talk about, you know, we, we want to kind of grow the social network side of four color nerds and kind of get more people in on the conversation and see how many times people can tell us to fuck off. Well, I'd like this not to be a conversation between just four people. Yes. You know, I'm sure there are people who are listening to us argue or give our reviews and either agree or think that we're total dumbasses. Either way. Yeah. (laughs) You want to tell Ryan that he's wrong about anime. You should do that. Or Superman. Yeah. Or you want to correct or me on comics. how I or you want to correct me on how I say names? Totally okay. Yes. Or that I should pick. Or if you know a good werewolf book that I should read that I don't know about, I want to hear about it. You would not be the first person on the internet to find me and tell me that I am wrong about anime based on this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's how I knew. Wait, I seriously, hit me. just based on this podcast. Yes. That's epic. <laughs> I knew I had made it. If we've done one thing. Arguing with people about anime on the internet. Ah, uh, so delightful. Yes. Please tell us we're wrong. That's what the internet's for. <laughs> Seriously. I'm sure you have opinions. We will Probably tell you you're wrong, though. So. This is true. We're kind of old and stuck in our ways. <laughs> Get off my lawn. But recommendations. If you're sick of us always recovering the same image comics, or you want to try a different one, we might listen to you. Well, we try. So we try and rotate the weeks that people have so that you don't always land with your pick of the week on the same week. So you're not always picking, you know, the same book over and over and over again. I mean, sometimes books have like an every two week schedule, so it doesn't always work out that way. But in general, we try and we try and vary that. Yeah. Uh, in the future months, we're going to be covering the uh, the rebirth of DC, I think it's Rebirth, which may or may not be a reboot. It, it seems like they're going to be a, it's a reboot so that they can tie everything together. I'm kind of interested to see how they might do that. And there's also some quarterly so we got, at this point big events coming up at Marvel. Uh, a lot of them overlap with each other. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got what Savage Dawn from DC right now. Rise of the Seven Seas is supposed to be this is an Aquaman coming. story. It's, it's yeah. Or it might be a Justice League story. I'm not really. Um, I read up it's, on it's it. It's very vague. It's very much an Aquaman story, but it's like Aquaman getting help from the Justice League to uh, basically they're, the seven seas are like different kingdoms and the yes. other kingdoms are kind of coming after Atlantis. It's like how the uh, Green Lantern had all the different rings, you know, all the different emotional spectrums. Same kind of idea. I guess, yeah. You know, then there's going to be, I mean, Civil War Two is like the big thing for Marvel this year, but there's going to be a couple events leading up to that. And then there's also going to be like Apocalypse War. Spider Women is going to be a thing. So, I mean, we'll cover all of those. Prima also might make appearances at some cons, maybe, if you keep a lookout. Yep, so things are coming. Yep, things are coming. Uh, but for now, uh, those are the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull lists and other nerd shenanigans, go to fourcolornerds.com. Go to our Facebook page. Hit us up on Twitter, favorite or friend or whatever you do on Instagram. Um, all of it's under the Four Color Nerds name. You can also follow us, like I just said, on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, and you can find the podcast on iTunes. On Stitcher. No, on SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. And until then, keep reading, nerds.